Hi everyone, this is Shelly, aka The Phoenix. Are you ready to be motivated, educated, entertained, and inspired? Well, you have come to the right place. Now get your pen and paper ready because you're listening to the newest episode of the Conversations with Passion radio show with your host, Corey Poirier. Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and really excited to be back with the latest edition of the Conversations with Passion radio show. As our guests know, I'm always excited to, uh, I should say, as our listeners know, I'm always excited to bring on new guests and share their journeys and, uh, and share essentially what kind of makes them tick, what gets them excited with our audience so they can get to know them a whole lot or a little bit better, uh, hopefully a whole lot. And uh, so this guest here is somebody I actually met at the podcast movement event I mentioned recently that I attended. And, uh, and we had a, a great chat uh, outside of the, the podcast uh, conference workshops and, and seminars. And so I thought it'd be great to bring her on the show because I love what she's doing with her show. And also we don't have enough people talking about the world of communication on our show. Uh, so, uh, so great to have you today, uh, Andrea Winberg. And Andrea, um, love bringing you on today, and I'm hoping what you can do to start things off is tell us a little bit about your backstory or journey for those listeners who may be discovering you for the very first time. Mm, I'd be happy to. Thank you for having me, Corey. Uh, uh, let's see, when I was a little girl, I was very um, in interested in how people work, why people are the way that they are and why they do what they do and how I could influence them uh, to make better decisions. And as a little girl, of course, that's not necessarily, uh, you don't really want to hear advice from a little girl about what you should do with your life or how to have a conversation, but that's what was always on my mind. And I really thought everybody was thinking like that but I, I soon found out that that wasn't the case. And for a while, I kind of I've kept being interested in that. I, I never stopped being interested, but I, I was a little confused because people would start to, I noticed that people didn't want to hear that from me all the time. And so I started to kind of hold that back. And I really was, I, I pursued other things in my, in my um, training and college and things, I was a music teacher, wanted to be a singer and um, went to school in Nashville for that. And, and then I, I went to seminary because I was so interested still in this topic of why people are the way that they are and why we do what we do and, and how we can uh, make things work better is what I went, really wanted to know. So I, I really, I'm, I'm, I got a counseling ministries master's degree and started working with people. I, I really had been working with people quite a bit, but on, in the one-on-one -on -one conversation kind of situation. And so I really dug into how conversations work and how people are really influenced in the middle of a conversation. Um, and then when, when I was married, when I got married, and had kids, I found myself feeling like I was stuck in a box where I couldn't really do what I felt like I really wanted to do, which was to get my voice out into the world. And it was a, kind of a strange thing because, I mean, maybe, maybe your listeners would um, be able to relate to this, but uh, you know when you know from a, a young age that you just feel like you, 
you should be contributing to the conversation, whatever conversation it is. Um, and, and I really wanted to contribute my voice to the broader conversation in the world about, about communication, about, you know, like we said before, why people are the, the way, the way they are and how to, how to help people, I guess. And, and so I, I, but I was really frustrated as a young mom because I felt really um, stuck in that situation and not because I didn't love being a mom and being a wife, but because I didn't feel like I had a way to get my voice out. So there were all these things stuck in my head and, and I very often got really frustrating because I didn't have an outlet. Um, eventually I did find an outlet and I wrote a book called Unfrozen, which had a lot to do with my own voice and my own, you know, finding that expression in a healthy way. And then uh, eventually after that, I, I realized I really wanted to make a go with this book. I wanted to keep moving forward. And it became pretty clear to me pretty quickly that the best way to do that was to create a business. And so I started taking courses and things to try to figure out well, what in the world does it look like to be an entrepreneur and to, to have information products and things like that. And so for the past three or four years, I've been digging into that and eventually started a, the podcast, The Voice of Influence. So there you go. Love it. So Andrea, you know, I, I, first of all, I love the name because it's all about influence, of course. And um, in terms of our voice of influence, if you will, uh, so for you, Andrea, before we jump into communication and, mm -hmm. and learned about it and what it means to you, when, when you came up with that name, voice of influence, what did that mean to you? Like, what, why that name? I, I'm always curious about the history. Yes. So why that name? Yeah, um, it took a long time to come to that point because I have been working really hard, just relentlessly pursuing this, what in the world am I all about and what exactly am I trying to offer the world? And so when I got to the point, gosh, about almost a year ago, uh, when I was really trying to nail this, this, this podcast topic down, I knew that I wanted it to kind of be an umbrella offering, something that would describe what I'm trying to do overall. And so uh, when I, one of the people that I was listening to at the time, I was listening to a book by Dory Clark, uh, who wrote the book Stand Out. And one of the ideas that she brought out about how uh, influencers or people with expertise can become, can stand out for their ideas is to combine two different things like your, your expertise in one area with your interest in another. So that's why I ended up, I, I have this, this experience with voice cause I'm a singer and I really wanted to be a singer. Um, and then, and I've, and I do voice lessons and things like that. And, and so I always hear the potential in people's voices. I, I can totally, I know what they need to do to get it out and I can help them, I can help them find it. I can help them find it and refine it and develop it. Well, what, that's what I decided that that's what I really want to do in the world. I really want to help people find their voice of influence. This, this, uh, the, you know, the things that we do when we say that really express who we are. I want them to really be able to find that and then develop it and refine it and really make it powerful. So that's how it came about. 
Awesome stuff, Andrea. So I guess then I, I mentioned I wanted to sort of dive into our voice. And when I say that, I mean, um, I mean, from each perspective, but I'm thinking first from a, let's say a communication perspective, whether that's one-on-one -on -one communication or whether that's communicating to a group, uh, mm -hmm. because of course, some of the same, let's say, fundamental principles apply, whether you're communicating with one person or multiple people. Um, so first of all, can you share with us maybe a couple of or, or you know, two or three tips uh, about communication that you've seen that, let's say, people do well uh, or things you've learned that work really well in effectively communicating, and then I can move to the area of the opposite of what doesn't work well? Hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. So what I prepared, <laughs> just as a side note, <laughs> um, I kind of blend them both. Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I really thought about this question because I, I, because I think that we, it's easy to go for like a small tip that would help us to fix a, a conversation on the, in the moment. Um, but if we dig a little bit deeper, we can find really uh, something that's really powerful. And so the, if you really want to have an influence with other people in conversation, whether that be in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and it, I think we should take it to that one-on-one -on -one conversation level, but then you can apply it to bigger levels too. The first thing that I would suggest is to not just tell people what to do, but invite them to discover their, the best path for themselves. Because if we tell people what to do, they will, uh, they might do it right away, but they won't necessarily do it the next time. And so it's sort of like the Socratic method, asking questions that are going to help people uh, see the error in their own thinking. It's getting people to think for themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So, so uh, I'd be happy to share an example if that would be helpful. Yeah, it would for sure. Okay. Well, a few years ago, I, I mentioned before that I was, I was frustrated because I couldn't get my voice out into the world. Uh, and, and I was also suffering from a little bit of uh, trauma from childbirth. And so there was some physical stuff going on too. But, but one of the, I think that the contradictions that people feel, they don't necessarily know what those are. And if we, if we dig into them a little bit, if we invite them to, to think about them, then they're going to help them. It's going to help them to, to really realize that. And one of those things for me was that I was doing a lot of, um, I was being really frustrated. I was felt really frustrated a lot. I felt like there were all these ideas and things in my head that I couldn't get out. And so it was almost like a pressure cooker inside of my head. And I, like I was going to explode and, and everything that I was doing, there'd be times that everything I was doing was screaming, stay away from me. But what I really wanted was I, and what I really needed was to somebody to come and help me calm down. And so, so it's that it's, it was this contradiction between what I was saying with everything about me, but what I really wanted was I really wanted to connect and be calmed down. And so if you start by inviting people to discover the best path to inviting and realizing that people aren't, um, you don't just have to tell people what to do that you can invite them, then you can move and you can look. This is the second one. Look beneath the surface and know that if you get to the heart of where somebody is at and you can ask, what does this person really want? 
because most of the time the thing that's on the surface you know we think that we know what we want on the surface but then we I'm really struggling here <laughs> I wrote all this out ahead of time and now I'm like I don't know if this is what you're really wanting <laughs> No, it, it absolutely is. You're, no, you're 100% on the right path. Okay, sorry. You can cut that out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, we're on there. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I just, I think that what I needed was I needed somebody to look underneath the surface and see what I really wanted. And so when I think about that situation in in general, it's like somebody with, uh, like, I felt like I was, I was a porcupine. And um, because I was so irritated or whatever, my, pork, my little pricklies were out. And what I really needed was somebody to come sort of calm me down and, and, and smooth them back down by, you know, giving me a hug or whatever. But what I was doing with everything inside of me was I was acting like I was, uh, I didn't, wanted them to stay away. And so looking beneath the surface of what somebody is actually saying to find out what they really want is super important because if we can speak to that, then we're speaking to the heart of where they are and touching them in a deeper place. And that is, that's way more transformational in the end than just telling them what to do. So brings, that brings up an interesting follow-up then. Um, and I mean, we could say that the opposite of that is what not to do, right? You know, like to go mm. and just wing it and, and not even, and just basically deliver a cookie cutter. Let's say if you're talking presentation, uh, deliver a cookie cutter presentation delivered to every other person. Um, so I guess here's a follow-up question to that then, Andrea. I, I know, I, I guess it's probably the same answer whether you're speaking or communicating to one person or an entire group. But what about, um, in terms of how, how would you recommend people prepare? So when I say that as an example, um, if you're going to do a talk for a group, obviously in terms of preparing, part of mm -hmm. that um, talking to the meeting planners, it could be seeing who normally attends, but obviously there's sometimes you're attending an event where you don't know in advance who the audience is, and if it's a first-time event, maybe meeting planners still don't fully know. So how do you recommend people sort of speak to the person that's there um, in terms of doing some research beforehand, whether again it's a one-on-one -on -one or whether it's a group? Hmm. I, I suppose it, it's hard if you don't, if the meeting planners don't even know who's going to be there. Um, I think, I think one thing that you can always count on is that humans are humans and that we all, we all have deep desires. We all have feelings. There are some principles that you can count on to be pretty true for the most part. Um, things like, uh, that, you know, people are afraid of, people run away from the things that they're afraid of. And, you know, they, you know, so if you, if you go down to those core hum, human kinds of needs that people have, um, then if you can tap into that, even if you don't know who the people are, you know that at some point they've struggled with, you know, fear, for example, or some of those core desires that people have when they want something. Um, if you can tap into that, then I think that that you're at least going deeper. You know, you're 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 taking the conversation from that surface level and then um, bringing it down to the heart to a certain degree. Yeah, that makes that makes. Total sense. And, and when I ask that question, in some ways, it might be an unfair question because, like you said, it's, um, it's tough when the meeting planner doesn't know. And I know that's not the, the norm as well. 
But I ask that question because I run into that as a speaker sometimes yeah. where it's a first time event and they're still struggling to fee- figure out, they, they know who they're trying to reach. They know who they're trying to get there. But like, you know, themselves, they even acknowledge, I still don't know if that's who, through my marketing, we've actually attracted. Mm-hmm. And they might not have a good system for figuring out who the person is, or they might say, well, if it's a public event and you're asking people to pay and et cetera, et cetera, they may think they don't, they don't want to add too many too many obstacles to them signing up. So they may think I don't want to ask them to fill out a whole form before they sign up because they may just not sign up. So you know, that's why I ask that. Yeah. You know, if, if you're, if you're going to a certain location and you know that these people are from that location or um, then you can research a little ahead of time, what's been going on in that area in their community, or, you know, if there've been some notable um, struggles in the community of any kind, those are good things to be aware of. Um, because if you know that there's been conflict in that community, then you could, then you could bring up conflict. You don't necessarily talk about that specific conflict that they've been talking about, but it's sort of like acknowledging the elephant in the room where you can say something along the lines of, you know, we might not all agree on this, this, and that, but maybe we can agree on this. Um, you know, if you, if you have an idea of what's been going on already, or even at the conference, if it's a conference or you, you, you get to the room and you start to feel things out and you talk to people ahead of time, uh, even if it's just in the introduction or you just bring it in a little bit at the very beginning, and then you move on to the talk that you were going to give. Uh, I think that, that being aware of and acknowledging the, um, the state of what people, you know, kind of the heart state or they're exhausted, you know, they're exhausted. It's been a long conference or whatever, you know, I mean, whatever you can do to, to acknowledge where they're at and then bring them with you back into the, um, onto the stage and into your uh, talk. Awesome stuff, Andrea. And I think, you know, that, that's sort of what I was driving at. I think that's, such great advice because I'm a really big believer on customizing your talk and personalizing it, whether you're speaking to one person or whether you're speaking to 5,000 people. I think too often these days, people want to categorize everyone as the same. And at the same time, um, you know, just kind of say this group is the same as last group I did last week because I'm speaking to groups all the time. But the truth is, is I think now more than ever, we as a, a society and a customer is looking for personalization. Yeah. And we really want people, we want to, we want to connect, right? And I just said something that I'm actually, I don't want to do, which is say, right. (laughs) Because when I say that's just, this is a side point, but I think this is important too, a little tip. Um, Saying, right, you're sort of drawing out from the other person what you want them to say, instead of inviting them to, to say what they really think. So if I say, right, then I'm asking you to say, yeah, but that might not be what you're really thinking. And, and it's sort of like what you're talking about. Like we get up on stage and we're like, you know, making people laugh and, and we say things like, right, right. And trying to get people to agree with us, but maybe it's not helping them to actually think about their situation. Maybe they're just um, playing our game for the moment we don't want them to just play the game for the moment. We want to get people to think and, and to continue to think about what we talked about even after we've left. Absolutely. And so, Andrea, I guess then, you know, if we, we continue down this path as we, uh, you know, we start our process of winding down at least, um, in terms of, you know, we talked about, you, you shared a couple of 
areas that you think people can really um, focus on if they want to effectively communicate? And, and of course, then we drill down on those. Uh, are there some common mistakes that you see people make? And I know you were sort of merging the two, but is there mm -hmm. another maybe common mistake or two that you see that people make when it comes to communicating that is something they could work toward, um, let's say, either getting rid of or fixing uh, quite easily? Mm -hmm. Um. You know, one of the one of the things that I, I just mentioned was the the you know acknowledging the elephant in the room kind of thing. And I think that what one of the things that people do is they run away from conflict and anything that feels uncomfortable. And so being willing to get messy and being willing to let other people feel the tension. Uh, sometimes we want to rescue people out of their pain or we want to rescue people really quickly so that they don't cry in front of us. Uh, rather than trying to rescue people, what if we were to give them the opportunity to be vulnerable in front of us and find their strength again in front of us? I mean, we don't have, I think that's, that's one of the things that, one of the biggest things I think that we could do is to be willing to get messy, be willing to walk toward the chaos and move toward the frustration and the chaos and the, the mess of actual real relationships. And instead of trying to rescue everybody, to allow people to experience their emotion, to allow people to experience the tension. You know, as a speaker, I'm sure there are times when you you allow the audience to just feel the tension in the moment and just sit with it for a little bit before you, you know, kind of bring them on to the next point. And I think sometimes we, we want to rescue people from pain. We want to rescue people from tension, but it's so pain and, and that kind of tension, that kind of frustration, those are things that turn into fuel for our passion in the future. So if we are just trying to rescue people from it all the time, then it, it'll be really hard for them to actually uh, feel okay about the fact that they experienced pain. It'll make them feel, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be hard for them to actually turn that into the fuel that it needs to be for them in the future. So that's such a, I mean, this is something that, uh, you know, I guess, I, I've always known how powerful silence is and, and used it, but to, you know, used it for, I guess we'll say, hopefully for better. But, um, but what, when you said that, for whatever reason, it popped into my head, the, the thought that, you know, they, there's this great quote that I love that says, uh, if you ever think that you're too small to make a difference in the world, try going to sleep with a mosquito in the room. <laughs> and what you just said there, just put it in my head thinking, you know, and, and I, I don't know, I, this is off the top of my head, but it just popped into my head as, you know, if you ever think that silence is powerful, try jumping up on a stand-up stage and bombing <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then experiencing silence versus booing or laughter. Because a, what a lot of people don't realize, and our listeners know I spent years in the comedy trenches, uh, a lot of people, and my first night I bombed horribly, like dead silence uh, for almost the entire set. And, now, the first two jokes, I didn't realize I didn't have the mic turned on. And then when I turned the mic on, I still bombed. And so one thing I learned is the power of silence. So again, you talked about leaving people sit in a thought. Or, you know, if you share something that's provocative or makes them go, oh, I never thought of it that way. Or maybe that is true. Leave them with that for a couple of seconds. Don't feel you have to rescue them right after you say it. 
Well, to me, it's much the same with uh, stand-up. If, if you don't think that that thought's powerful or silence as a speaker, like I said, try going to a stand-up club and standing there and delivering a joke that you know is not funny and welcoming the silence because most people will want to fill that silence in seconds because it's, it feels like hours and it's the worst experience you'll ever have um, if you're not wanting to have that experience. So going back to your point, I believe it is something that's powerful, letting people sit in the silence and letting people sit in it. I don't think people realize how powerful pauses are when it comes to communication. Mm. And it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of, a lot of guts to be able to, to sit there and let the other person feel the tension because you feel it too. A lot of times. <laughs> For sure. And so this is my segue from that question to our wind down. But, you know, I know that you mentioned that you spent uh, time in, in, in the world of singing, uh, looking for your voice, what, and, and where this drives from and how I said it, it's maybe even a good segue is from standup. Most people know from our show, I share often that I learned more about speaking in front of audiences, meaning corporate audiences as a speaker, um, at corporate events from the world of standup than I've ever learned from any communications course, anything I've done since. Uh, stand up just, I mean, cause it, it's so raw and it just teaches you everything. You, you learn by failing basically. Mm. Um, so I've learned a lot. So when people always say, what did you learn about comedy? Uh, learn from the comedy stages uh, that applies to the world of communication or world of speaking. And, and we just said one, which is pauses, um, you know, obviously the, the importance of politically correct humor, but how to deliver humor in front of an audience that will work. I mean, things like that are hugely valuable. And so I'm curious, did you learn? And if so, what? Uh, but did you learn some, uh, let's say, maybe tips about communicating from the world of singing, even though they're both communication? Um, obviously, it's a different form of communication. But do you feel that you've learned different, let's say, skills from singing that apply to the world of communication with one person or multiple people? Sure. Uh, now, are you talking about speaking from the stage or are you, I mean, like the skills of speaking from the stage or are you talking about more theoretical things? Uh, yeah, I guess the, probably the easiest way would be if we were related to speaking from the stage, because those skills, like I say, do apply to one-on-one -on -one or yes, okay, or three people as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I I had a I, I very it, it happens a little bit less right now, but I used to have a lot of dreams about coming to the stage unprepared, or you know, not with without my clothes on or or whatever. Like I would have these nightmares of not being prepared. And I think that, I think that being prepared and knowing your, knowing your music, knowing your, what you're going to say, uh, being clear on that, even if you make some changes in the middle of it and it, the, the more, you know, the material, the more, you know, your stories that you're going to tell, the more that, you know, the points that you're going to say, and the more that you can connect with it emotionally yourself, the more that it's true to who you are and you can truly take on that that message, the more powerful it will be. So I think that that is one of the really, the, one of the big ones. And then of course, there's other things like uh, how you stand and having posture and being strong at the core and, and uh, carrying, you know, allowing your voice to project into the audience and not being afraid of the power of your own voice, because sometimes people hold back uh, and, and I do this too. And so sometimes I've been afraid of the power in my own voice. And so I don't sing it out or speak it out as loud as I, as I probably should, given its context, uh, because 
I don't want to appear too strong or I don't want to appear too forceful, but maybe it fits the music. Maybe it fits the message. Wow. I mean, each one of those areas, uh, like I said, I've learned them in various ways. Um, the other side, I, 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 you know, I don't even know if we've ever talked about it, but the other side of my life outside of speaking and comedy and the business side is, is the music side as well. And I'm going to guess probably that vocally I'm not as strong as you would be because my style is, is uh, definitely more the singer songwriter folk rock type thing. Uh, but I put out CDs and I performed uh, at you know, venues across Canada and, and some in the U S but when, for me, what, what you just said, I mean, I learned so much from the mu world of music that I carried over as well. And in each of those areas you mentioned, um, I've learned powerful things. And another one that for me, I learned as well, which I know, I, you know, you mentioned that I think in our conversation uh, when we were at Podcast Movement, but is the importance of breathing properly. And mm. that was what I struggled with and still struggle with as somebody who doesn't view myself as a vocalist and then falls into this trap of going, well, I don't really need to prepare my vocals because I just have this raspy, you know, whatever type of voice. And, and, you know, as long as it doesn't break on stage or I don't lose my voice, but it, it's a weak, it's a, it's a weakness area for me. And it's something I don't allow to come into my speaking. And it's funny to me always, I let it happen to music. So I've learned it from music, but yet I don't apply it to music. So mm. but breathing, it seems is, is a huge one as well. Mm, definitely. Yeah. That support, that breath support underneath um, if we're speaking from a very shallow place, uh, then it's gonna, it's not gonna have carry that same power, and it's also not gonna sustain as long. Um, you you have a lot more power and uh, ability to make it through each phrase and to connect your message with the people who need it if there is that support underneath, and that that whether that be through taking actual breaths or just being so confident of your message that even if you stray from the topic, you can come back to it and find, find something because you have that core support that's so strong. Yeah. So Andrea, there's never enough time on, on these interviews, but uh, I want to ask you one question, pretty much the only sort of formal question during this interview, because uh, as, as our listeners know, uh, I like to have it really conversational. This is still probably very conversational, but it's the only question that I almost always try to make sure I ask each guest, because I love the different perspectives we get from the answer. So mm. the last official question before I simply ask you how we can learn more about you and your work is simply, if you were able to sit across, Andrea, from a younger version of yourself, you can pick the timeline, but usually I like for people to try to pick, you know, that younger, like 16 or 15 or 18 uh, year old to talk to, and you could give her one piece of life advice that mm. you've learned in years since. What do you think you might tell your younger self? Hmm. That don't be afraid of the pain and the broken road that lies ahead because that's what's going to bring you to a point where you really find your true self. Wow. <laughs> you know, I have to say, Andrea, we ask this question almost every show. And I love the fact that, I mean, your answer there after asking that question for me personally, thousands of times, literally, um, your answer is one that, uh, that I have, I mean, it's, you know, there's probably elements of it that are similar to others, but it's the first time I've heard it in that way. So hmm. wow. thank you so much for sharing that. That's so powerful. Mm. Yes, so, you're welcome. 
I guess the last last question, Andrea, I said it was, you know, I'll call it, and I usually call it the unofficial question, but it might be the most important because these interviews, like I say, we never have enough time. So people listening that have now built this relationship with you, they've learned from you, they've uh, learned about your show or learned that you have the show, um, where would you normally direct them if they want to dive further with you? So if they want to listen to the show, they want to reach out to you, they know they have a voice they need to get out, they need help with their voice, any of those things, or even, you know, do they just maybe want to reach out and connect, where would you normally direct them? I would send them to voiceofinfluence.net. I would love to see you there. Uh, you can find other, you know, that's the hub. So you can find other ways of connecting with me there, but you'll find the, the podcast there. And the podcast is, is, you know, it's conversations about why people are the way they are and how they got to where they are. And then, and then, you know, tips about, about expressing your voice of influence. So I, I would love to see people over there. That'd be great. Awesome stuff, Andrea Wenberg. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, I'd love to call it a to be continued and, and look to bring you on down the road as well again, um, with your permission, of course. But <laughs> Of course, anytime. Awesome stuff. Well, I, I thank you so much. Uh, you have been an amazing guest. You've given us so much food for thought. Um, like I say, communication and using our voice is something we don't have enough on the show. We don't talk about that enough. So I'm glad you were able to bring this perspective that we don't normally have. Uh, so thank you so much for making this all happen. And like I said, we'll, we'll call it a to be continued. So we'll keep the conversation alive in the future. Thanks, Corey. We'll talk to you later. Well, that's all, folks. That's another great show with a few great concepts and ideas that might be just what you need to get your ball rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd like to thank a few people for helping make this show possible. IB Trade Show. Go to ibtradeshow.com. Engaged Leadership. Go to in-gaged.ca. Permadry. Guaranteed solutions for leaky basements. Go to permadry.com. Sites and Bytes, your site for great service. Sitesandbytes.ca. Oxford Learning, never stop learning. Go to OxfordLearning.com. Smile Dog, your receptionist. Go to SmileDog.ca. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of Corey Poirier, I am Marco Kelly, and this has been Conversations with Passion. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.